0: Good morning, my friends, and thank you so much for joining me this early morning for Coding with Christine Hall. Today, I have the amazing, the wonderful Jennifer McNamara on the show. She is absolutely incredible, and and I'm so proud to call her one of my very close friends. Thanks for coming on, Jennifer. I know you've got a really busy week this week.
1: I do, but you know, I always have time for you, Christine. I am just and and the audience because you know we all kind of uh, love to um, help each other out, and we're all we're all just doing the same thing. So let's just let's just talk about it today.
0: Awesome. Well, Happy Health Information Professionals Week. Same to you. <laughs> thank, you thank you. And Terry, today is National Pineapple Upside Down Cake Day. Just saying. Guess what's for Excellent. dinner?
1: Excellent.
0: Right. adulting. Guess what's for dinner? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: As opposed to National Lima Bean Day. Not doing that today. We're going to do pineapple upside down cake for dinner. So that's happening. Um, So I'm so glad that you joined me this morning. We are talking about the ICD-10 guidelines. And again, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I know a lot of people struggle to get through Section A because There's so much detail, and um, it can be overwhelming. So this week, we're talking about Chapter 7, Diseases of the Eyes and Adnexa, and Chapter 8. We're going to sneak that one in, too. And um, so I couldn't think of anybody better than you to come on and talk to us about um, uh, ophthalmology. My, My med term teacher was... Such a stickler in ophthalmology, right? If you said it wrong, she'd whack you in the head, you know, no, she didn't. But uh so yeah, glaucoma. That's one of the things that's outlined in the guidelines here. And can you share with us your your vast depth of knowledge on glaucoma?
1: Oh my goodness, Christine! It's crazy. You know, not too long ago, I made a post because I was just really thinking about you know my grandmother had glaucoma and diabetes, and of course we know that diabetic retinopathy. It's all kind of um, you know that uh, glaucoma um, is you know one of those things that can be um, obtained. You know, we can, you can get glaucoma, um, especially if you have diabetes. There's that linkage there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, I think about, you know, what we have to do as professionals when we're trying to understand this stuff is we really have to understand the disease process um, and the anatomy of that body part. Right. So when we're talking about the eye, it's really good for us to understand. And I can't go into that just today in the, in the short amount of time that we have. It's so intricate. The eye, um, if you really get down to it and really study it, um, you have to if you're in ophthalmology. So uh, it's it's interesting, you know. Um, all these little nerve fibers, right, that we have in our eyes, and we have this drainage system, right? Right. And like with anything, um, if something isn't functioning um, at its, with its purposes, right, then we start to see, okay, why is it not functioning the way it's supposed to, which is why our, our physicians look at, okay, well, this is not working. So something's causing this to be not working. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like that fluid buildup. So you, if you work in ophthalmology, you'll probably understand the term IOP, intraocular yeah. pressure right and they have different ranges they, what when is when you
0: put your face in the little machine and they a little puff of air and you always i don't care how many
1: times they do it i jump every time i get that puff of <laughs> air that measures like, don't do it right yeah the pressure and so that's what they're looking for right um and they, they look at obviously like the the range right and they also look at the timeline too um how long has it been this way um to see that progression. And, you know, there's different types of glaucoma, which we'll get into, um, you know, when we start talking about some of the guidelines, but, uh, it is a risk factor for glaucoma. So, mm-hmm. um, and of course, patients who are diabetic are at a higher risk, um, for that. So, um, you know, if you are diabetic or, you know, someone's diabetic, you probably know that the doctor will tell you all of the different things you could be at risk for if you have diabetes, right. So you want to be obviously aware of that.
0: And that's one of those major precursors is diabetes. And like it or not, we have a diabetic crisis here in the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. Just the fact that one medication that, and I'm going off topic for just a half a second, but one medication that was brought in to assist us when that medication became short, like that's all I saw on Facebook was I can't get my diabetic medication and And it became a real big crisis, right? Because we have so many diabetic patients out there. So um, that is definitely something that if you have that condition, you want to make sure that you're following through. I mean, it's been embedded in our minds as we were children. As we get older, we become women. Remember when you,
1: Mm -hmm. the, uh,
0: um, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. They made a movie out of the Judy Bloom book. I don't know if you read that when you were a teenager, Mm -hmm. but um, anyway, but when you become a woman, right? They they say you have to go get your well woman exams every year, and that's part of being a woman, right? Check your part. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once you receive that diagnosis of diabetes, it's important that you follow up with the ophthalmologist every year because that's one of those organs that seems to be very greatly affected by diabetes, the eye.
1: And it's it's a very silent thing, so it's it's it just creeps up, right? We have. And we'll talk about we have a couple of different types that we look at mostly, the types mm-hmm. of glaucoma, but but there's so many codes and so so many variables. Um but even like what you were just saying about being a woman and just taking care of ourselves, it's funny. I when I turned forty this this last year. You're forty. Um I know, I know people. You look they tell me I don't look for. I've always looked young. I don't know why. My my mom and my, my grandma do too. It's so crazy. I guess we have those good, good genes.
0: genes. That's right. I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to it though, and I'll be just I'll claim it. I'll be I'll That's own right. it. That's right. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah.
0: Again, off topic, but years ago I stopped celebrating like the year of my birth, and now we just celebrate the anniversary of my 21st birthday, right?
1: I Nothing love
0: it so much better.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let's stay young. But no, well, um, I had a lot of people tell me that's one of the first things they noticed when they turned 40 was the vision thing. And I'm going to tell you it's it's 100% true. I don't know if it's just was the time for me, but it just started to like affect me when I was driving. I would start to feel like at night I couldn't see as well. And then just in general, i doing this with the menu. Yes. And then like the, the computer screen doesn't help. You know, we're always on our computers Uh, for our jobs. Right. So we're like always like, whoa. And so I have glasses for the glare and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I did go to the doctor. I had my, you know, I hadn't been since like 2018. Like I was really bad. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, get this done. And um, it was fine. I had, you know, they had a couple things they were looking at, but I was like, I feel good. Right. Because I did my, Thing for myself i went to the doctor to check this out especially with my family history i wanted to make sure that i that i took that um you know into consideration you know when you're filling out all your paperwork i'm telling you guys i know it's a lot but please 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 be honest with your physicians um us those of us that do this for a living you know we are look for those things when we're when we're auditing and when we're reviewing documentation and there's a reason why Mm -hmm. patients give you that information Um, Not only does it help you as a patient, but it also um, helps your other physicians you might see down the road um, give you proper care um, so they can communicate together, um, uh, collaborate um, on your care. So really be honest with your physician about what what you have and your history. It's really important.
0: Well, you know, that's very important. And I'll I'll share um, quite a few years ago. I don't even want to say how many years ago because, you know, again, we're only celebrating the anniversary of my birthdays. So quite a few years <laughs> ago, um, I noticed that I was having these major floaters. I called them little boogies because that's what they, they looked like to me. Like I kept going in the mirror in the bathroom and like, oh, my gosh, so I have a little boogie in my eye or something. And it wasn't. Um, it was the the vitreous detaching in the back of the eye. And they said, that's just part of getting older. Hmm. No. Now, fast forward as we found out more and more about I have a connective tissue disorder, that's one of the signs and symptoms that we normally see in the progression of the connective tissue disorder. So, oh, now we can put it all together. So when I finally went back to my um, optometrist to get my glasses adjusted, and he was like, that makes sense now. All of this makes sense now. So just like you're saying that history of either your family history of, mm-hmm. or your personal history of, as it evolves, because I seem to get more history as I get older, which yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. But um, but yeah, as that history evolve, it becomes more and more pertinent so that our physicians, they know what to do with us. They know the path to lead us down
1: for good health. Exactly, exactly. So. And, you know, you know, you and I are all about, you know, we're talking here to talk to our health information professionals today.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, we're patients, we're also trying to help patients. So, yeah, you know, let's just really think about how everything that we document, everything that we document is is important. Mm-hmm. So what are the different types of glaucoma? Oh, goodness. Well, um, there's, um, there's many of them. Um, the two that I was going to kind of bring up today is the open angle glaucoma mm-hmm. which is kind of like your basic i mean there's not really any symptoms prior to you having that peripheral visual loss mm. um you might like you might see some of those patchy things in those blind spots um but the early signs you of course um aren't really there until it happens right mm-hmm. um and then you have of course the um excuse me, the other one. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now. Where'd it go? On my notes here. <laughs> I lost it. Is that Angle the closure. closure. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I had my notes in front of me. It's the angle closure and it's, it's the, it's the sudden one and it has all of the other stuff, you know, um, with it. And it's, um, it's, it's it's the more serious one and so ultimately as coders it's important for us to understand the different types and there's a lot more to it there's there's way more in there that we we can even talk about today one of the things that i think is interesting about just the code set for that um is how many digits you have mm, um yes. and it's it's interesting how with like one of the only sections where you have like you you would think you'd have like this seventh character it doesn't kind of follow that that same you know a A, D, C, Uh whatever, you know, it, it it has its own numeric digits. And so you have to get a lot of information. Sometimes when you have even your diabetic retinopathy, you have all of those extra digits for, is there going to be, is there macular edema? Like, is there all with or without? Um, And you have right and left, obviously. Right. Right. That
0: laterality always gives us, what is that? The fifth or the sixth, I think it's the sixth character that gives us that sixth character gives us that laterality specificity. So I think with, a lot of our eye diseases that we report, you all you will have that longer, that more pronounced um, ICD-10 code because we can be so specific about it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, so again, we're looking at the guidelines, right? So again, we need to know the type, right? So we need to know one other thing, which is the stage of their glaucoma. Mm-hmm. And we really need to have that documented. <laughs> we don't get to make that decision, obviously, as coders. Right. Um, that's not our decision to make. It's the physician's documentation that leads us there, right? So we have guidelines that are very specific to, you know, what do you have, what do you have documented, and then you plug it in. And I guess that sounds super simple when I say it that way. <laughs> um, just plug it in. But- it's simpler than the guidelines say it. <laughs> Well, and to me, it makes sense because I've done this so long, and I've spent a lot of time trying to simplify this process that I think sometimes gets um, complicated uh, because there's just so many guidelines, right? So I, I just have to tell everyone: just to keep it simple. Figure out where you are. What are you looking at right now? Right? Yeah. What What, what do you know? Learned? You have to do. <laughs> yes. Find that part of the guidelines and study it. You know, take your time. And I think sometimes we overwhelm ourselves with so many guidelines and some specialties have to jump back and forth between so many different uh, areas of the code book. Right. So Mm -hmm. just realize where you are. If you are having to code for the eyes, you're going to be in chapter seven. And if there's not a guideline specific to that uh, condition, which there's only a few. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to revert back to your your other sections, your your conventions. Same. It's the same concept for all sections chapter 11 doesn't even have any. (laughs) So what do you do there? Right. So it's, uh, it's something that you want to think about. Um, but you know, I can, I can dig deeper if you'd like. Um, do you have any other questions about the specific guidelines? I can dig deeper. Well, I think that I've heard a lot of questions about,
0: um, the guidance that we see in, in section two and section three of chapter seven. And, you know, people say, well, it's pretty self-explanatory that if it's the same 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 glaucoma oh, wow. same stage that we would just report one code and i, and I want to remind people that because in some other sections of icd-10 you have to report two codes one for the left and one for the mm-hmm. right because they don't have a bilateral code and i think that this guideline is just saying hey guys we do have a bilateral code so it's not necessary to repeat the same stage and the same type, left and right, you can use just the one bilateral code. So sometimes when they Mm -hmm. give us a guideline, I often think, you know, this is dumb. This is really simple. Who doesn't get this? But because there's alternative guideline that is similar somewhere else, like, you know, pain in the knee, left knee, Mm -hmm. right knee, I need to put two knees. They're just reminding us that, that for the eyes, most our eye codes do have that bilateral. And we should use it when it's same-same. Right. Alternatively. It's like, yeah. If it's different, different, then we need two different codes, one for the left and one for the right, because they're different. But I think that's really why that's my my Christine thought, right? Or, or as Kimberly says it, the the Kimberly isms, right? That's yes, I love it. Uh, to borrow her her wisdom there. Um on why that, that guideline is there. Can, can you give us a little bit more insight onto um, why in the hospital, if this was an inpatient, why, why is the guideline there about the evolution of glaucoma during an admission?
1: i love i'm glad you asked that because i do love my inpatient guidelines <laughs> you're um, the I only do one it. i know uh, most of my friends are terrified by
0: pcs and uh terrified by inpatient coding but uh like
1: you i embrace it i understand. oh I, I love it and you know i have a question with terry too she's like i don't get it but you know both of us actually have our ccs she just prefers the the other side, but no, I love PCS and you know, there are certain organizations out there that would never let that become a thing probably in, um, in the, in the uh, professional fee world. Right. But, I but know. I love how it just really, to me, it simplifies the matter. And so when you're looking at, um, and that's for procedures, of course, but when you're looking at mm-hmm. the guidelines you see in um, CM, you'll notice that sometimes it, it really does refer to an admission because both of us, both sides, we use the same gu- chapter-specific guidelines. And mm-hmm. ICD-10 is more heavily um, relied upon in the inpatient setting because that's how the payment is made. It's based on right. your severity of illness. It's it's based on at the end of the day, all said and done, what caused your admission? And the DRG right. payment is is based on that principal diagnosis after study, after everything said and done. Right? What really was the reason? And so right. that is how the payment's made. So IC10 is very important on the inpatient side. So when you see that guideline that says if a patient is admitted with glaucoma and the stage progresses during the admission, assign the highest stage documented. And we have other sections of IC10 that say that similar thing, like with our ulcers and things like that, mm-hmm. because sometimes they start with one, but they progress. And we're like, okay, well, we have to know which one's principal, uh, which code really is the reason. And so that's why they provide that guidance for us because we need it.
0: That's right. And like you said, from an inpatient perspective, you know, the payment really revolves around the condition. And in this case, if the glaucoma has gotten worse during the admission, well, they might need more resources during that Mm -hmm. admission because it worsened. And so it's important that that diagnosis really reflect what was the, what was that progression that happened during this stay that, that was... Relevant to that stay,
1: exactly. And you and I both do risk adjustment, right? So it's kind of a mm-hmm. similar concept. We're trying to calculate the cost of that patient, whether it's you know retrospective or prospective. Um, what, what's going to cost to to insure that patient, right, to a payer? Exactly. But for a hospital, they're concerned about you know how this much they're going to consume during this yeah. stay. Yeah, um, and they have they have models to forecast you know certain things, but but that's kind of their their focus at that moment.
0: Most definitely. Yes. So I have another question. What okay. do what does the guideline mean when it talks about intermittent stage? What do you mean intermittent stage? Is it you don't know if it's stage this stage or that stage or like
1: what do they well, it actually about? it actually says inter indeterminate stage. Is In, that okay. referring
0: thank you. I read it wrong. And that happens yes. too. It, it and I, i'm glad that that happened because it happens to the best of us where we read something wrong and then yes. spend too much time trying to figure it out go back to the source i know
1: i do all the time i did the other day i'm like oh my goodness i didn't say that at all <laughs> it's totally changed the meaning i'm like i get it oh my gosh no i've been there christine no so indeterminate stage and i think there's others um in other types of, of sections where they can't determine it right um so it has to be documented that way, um, but it does say in the guidelines um, that character, it should be based on the clinical documentation. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't get to determine that ourselves um, as coders. Um, and then we do have um, the character zero, which is unspecified. Um, so we don't want to confuse the two, just like right. we have other seven characters that kind of have an unspecified. And they always have that option. Um, And then we have ones that it's really not, they can't come to that conclusion. We have some of those types of codes too, even in um, neoplasms where you have like this really crazy situation where it went from one place to the next and it's gone so many places, they can't even tell you where it originated. So there's a code for that.
0: And, and, you know, I have to always go back to, and I know my friend Betty will understand, I go back to derm, dermatology. Um, and a lot of times dermatologists really struggle with, is this an uncertain prognosis or is this a unspecified prognosis where yeah, we don't know good. what it is yet? And and having to make that determination. And that's why I'm, I'm really happy that the guidelines help us understand those differences between just like this, uh, intermittent, did I say it wrong again?
1: It's okay. Indeterminate. Thank
0: you. I got you. I got you. Okay, good. Or unspecified. You know, I was, for a long time, I couldn't say the word specificity. So when I would teach, I would designate one student in the room who could say it properly. And every time that a sentence would end with um, specificity, I would point at them and I would make them say it because I just struggled (laughs) getting that out. So. I
1: understand. I understand. I'm there with you. It's, it's <laughs> tough. I actually, one time, I was doing a webinar on the skin, and I had someone um, on the webinar tell me I was saying um, decubitus wrong. And um, I had been saying it the same way for years. <laughs> and um, so I learned, and I, I'm okay with that. Call me out. You Absolutely. Know, tell me that I'm wrong. I want to do it right. And then I started listening to, like, um, other people say it. I even asked my physician how to say it. Cause I'm like, maybe I should ask you how to tell me how to say it. And yeah, so I, I corrected my, my way I spoke. Um, but you know, it was, it's, it's nice when you can bring that up, up tactfully, of course, but, uh, but right. definitely remind your friends, you know, what's accurate. We want to be accurate when we're, when we're teaching. Absolutely.
0: I am. Um, yeah. And, and, and it, it's that way there, there are many terms in medical terminology that you, um, like potato potato that we say differently depending upon um who where you're from what region you're in how do they say it what what influence on what accent is said and and so we we pick these things up um and also you know just like I I just mentioned our geographic areas might influence the way that we we process words I don't know how we got there but um, just so if you do are in a situation where someone says a word incorrectly, you know, feel free to share with them that it's there, oh John says angina. Right <laughs> Agena, right? Angina. So the, I love it. I love it. If yes. you're in the Bronx, it's agina. you know, if it's if we're somewhere <laughs> or else, it's Angina. In
1: in Boston Debreed and into yeah. bride right potato potato right so so uh... debridement. I always said debridement, and then I then I started saying debridement because everyone is like telling me this and that but you know you say how you say it you can say glaucoma or glaucoma because right. <laughs> there's a company called Glauco's that's a vendor uh for the eyes and um, wow. some of their products that we use in ophthalmology so like Uh, people started saying glaucoma because it's glaucose is how you pronounce it so it was like how posh i know right i feel like that's a fancy
0: way to say it
1: Um, yes But no, uh, but I like what you mentioned earlier about about the, um, you know, in, in I'm going back to my, you know, PCS talk just for a right. minute, because that's one of the things that I like about it is because it forces you to use a new code when something changes. And the same concept is true when I 10 for this, when this, the site and the stage and the laterality, when something is not part of that formula that gets you to that same code, you have to choose another code because you're, you're, you're strained from that formula. Mm -hmm. Um, that you're trying to build, right? Because in ICD-10 PCS, you're building your code based on all of the pieces of that procedure. Um, So in ICD-10s, you are kind of in some ways building a code um, for your diagnosis. As you add on those digits, you're building um, the description of what happened to the patient. So if anything deviates, you're trying to then, okay, I have to add one now and then I have to build that one. So you you have to do it that way. I use that, that
0: explanation when I'm trying to explain the, the structure of the ICD-10 code and why the seventh character that reports encounter can't be squished out to the fifth spot or the fourth spot, right? Because each spot has its own designation. It has its own purpose in the ICD-10 code. So I use that explanation a lot.
1: Yes, they want to stay in their home. They want to stay home and not have to leave their house. And so, let them be where they belong, and, and everyone's happy, <laughs> right?
0: Just use the placeholder. Feel comfortable. It'll. It's that's what its job is. Is just mm-hmm. to let people stay in their little their spots, their homes where they belong. We just have that placeholder there. So
1: yeah, it's great. So yeah, I I have a question.
0: Her. My last question about okay. chapter seven blindness. Okay. Oh, good. and there's that's different so types fine.
1: of blindness. Yes. Um, So you hear the term blindness or low vision, you know, the guidelines just really talk about, um, you know, if, if you have the both eyes documented, right with the visual impairment category, if that's not documented, then it tells you what to assign. So sometimes the guidelines get very, very specific on a specific code, right? Like Mm -hmm. if this situation is is true, this is the code for you. Right. Um, So then it tells us, okay, if blindness or low vision, Right. In one eye is documented, but the visual impairment category is not documented, do this. So there's, there's all these different options you have to follow when it's true for you. But if it's not part of the guidelines um, and you have no other you know, documentation to follow, then you just have to use your physician language to lead you to the right code. And I say it all the time. And I know Sherry Bernard would, would uh, second this because I, I, I learned a lot from her as well. Love her. And I'm a super fan. Yes, me too. And she's a great mentor for me and others I know. So it's true. And like I remember having this conversation with her a while ago, a couple years ago, about how we have to use our books correctly. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we get so involved in in encoders and trying to quickly get there that we forget that the the proper way to do it is to index to tabular. Mm-hmm. And we actually, I don't remember the yeah. exact examples, but we were, we were doing this in one of our webinars that we did, and it was crazy how not going that process led you to the wrong code. Absolutely, huh? absolutely. So you, Mm-hmm. you have to use the physician language every time and that's going to be your safe spot. Like take that language, plug it into the index and let it lead you where you're supposed to go. So you don't overcode or undercode you get to the correct one for your documentation. And then you don't, you know, go astray. <laughs> so Absolutely.
0: yeah. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I do want to make a quick notation that chapter eight is the diseases of the ear and the mastoid process but there's no guideline there for us so so christine's gonna fill in the blank here one of the big pet peeves i have especially with primary care or ent is the lack of documentation for impacted cerumen so cerumen is normal Ladies and gentlemen, we all have earwax. It's a normal thing. It's supposed to help us protect the eardrum, right? And that, that and, but sometimes that wax builds up. When it builds up, well, it causes two things. One, your physician can't see the tympanic membrane, so they don't know what's going on behind the ear, fluid, right? So it has to come out. Second, because your husband might yell at you three times a night that the TV is too loud, That may or may not happen in my house on a regular basis. And it could be that you're reaching an age where the hearing decreases, or it could be that you have impacted cerumen, and it needs to be removed so that you can hear the TV at a normal level or whatever normal is. Um, Mm -hmm. So please make sure that if the procedure is being done to remove that cerumen because... Can't hear the TV, or because they can't see the tympanic membrane. That you see that documentation that states it's impacted, because otherwise, you know, moving a little piece of wax out of the way is not impaction, and we don't have uh, a separate procedure that needs to be done, um, and and it really doesn't reflect normal cerumen versus impacted cerumen. So that's my I love it. shoebox greeting about the ear that's not in the guideline but please you know make a little side note there that just reminds you that cerumen is okay unless it's impacted can't hear tv wink wink or can't see tympanic membrane clearly right
1: understood yeah i mean oh gosh how many times have i coded that in my career it's like (laughs) i can't even count it's crazy um yeah. And I wanted to do one more thing. I, I forgot to say earlier that um, I think it's really important when it comes to not just with the eyes, but in any section, we have these procedures, these eye stents that they, they, they perform and um, some of these other procedures where you have to have a only a small amount of codes are applicable in your LCD. Right. Right. And if you stray from that, you're in trouble. So I do encourage you, if you're in ophthalmology, to really check those, um, especially for those procedures where they have a very specific code set, only these specific codes. And that is where you say, okay, what language is in this code that needs to be in the documentation? Um, How do I get it from the documentation into the correct code and making sure it's payable? and you know some of your your reps for those 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 products have some good um, you know tip sheets you know for for that. Yes. But at the end of the day, just get the documentation accurate. What's the state? What's the laterality? <laughs> A laterality should always be there, let me tell you. But we do have you know guidelines that tell us where else we can find that laterality if it's not clear in the impression. Right? We can we can get it there. Right. But we do want to make sure that it's there clear. You should know if it's right or left, I hope <laughs> it <mean, laughs> should be a thing. Uh, and just make sure that all that information is there because we know it's important and we know that, you know, it's important as a physician. We just want it in the documentation. That's what we, we need to see.
0: Absolutely. So that's, my spiel. As, that's a great spiel. I love it. <laughs> um, I have a couple of announcements to make before we leave. So if you don't mind, Jennifer, uh, I wanted to remind everybody there's a, a, quite a few wonderful things going on out there in the industry if you need CEUs, um, but we're doing so much more to get us all back together. I know that COVID kind of split us apart, and that's not a bad thing because I've made some great friends remotely and, and had the pleasure of meeting up with them in person. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, are you gonna, are you going to New Orleans again this year?
1: I just got notified that I am. Woohoo! We'll see each other there. Be, I got I'm, mine yesterday too. I'm going to be speaking at at Ha, so I'm excited. <laughs>
0: That's going to be great. But there's a couple of other opportunities. Um, Advanced Coding Services has their retreats. I absolutely am in love with this concept. It is mm-hmm. coders getting together casually, talking about the things that we love, education in shorts and flip flops. Right? I love How it. incredible. Having dinner, sitting at the table with your subject matter experts and getting to know them in that really more intimate type of setting. So um, Beth has the first retreat this weekend in Georgia. We have another retreat coming up in June in San Diego. You don't want to <gasps> miss it. my is that your
1: is that your place San Diego that's my home that's my home state and I love San Diego yeah Yay! Um, so go to
0: advancedcodingservices.com take a look at the retreats. Uh, there's another retreat in the fall We're going to be in um, Arizona right mm-hmm. really getting in a nice quiet environment where we can learn and we can we can network together. Last thing I want to tell you, space is limited for the cruise next year. So cruising with the coder, you guys heard me last week with Kim Huey. Um, You want to make sure, Lexi, do we have that string to run across the bottom with the cruising with the coder? Make sure that you're reaching out to Don the Cruiser so that you can book your accommodations and join us next year on the Carnival Mardi Gras. Listen, I went this year, Jennifer, I got to tell you, how super Mm -hmm. cool to be on a cruise with your fellow coders. We had great conference. Um, and it. then we could go and lounge by the pool. <laughs> CEUs, pool, exotic destinations. Like I am so, so in love with this. Absolutely. I love it,
1: Christine, that's so, fabulous.
0: Um, just want to remind everybody, join us. If you need to reach out to Jennifer, her contact information is should be scrolling, yep, scrolling across the bottom. If you're not connected with Jennifer on LinkedIn, you are missing out on a wonderful resource. <laughs> Jennifer has her finger on the pulse of just about everything that's going on these days, both inpatient and outpatient. So proud of you.
1: And oh.
0: uh, <laughs> please make sure you reach out to her or you reach out to us here at Sterling Global Solutions and we'll see you in two weeks.
1: See you soon. Thanks, Jennifer. Oh, bye. Thanks for watching.